0: live from the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival. And we're back live right here at the Sharjah Expo Center covering all about the 14th edition, the Sharjah uh, Sharjah uh, Children Reading Festival. This uh, is a festival under the theme, Train Your Brain. And I say this and I urge you guys, this is not a place only for children and families. It's for everyone of all kinds and of all ages. If you have that child within you, and you've always wanted to tap into it and unleash it, then you ought to come down to the Sharjah Children Reading Festival. There are activities happening every day by the hour, workshops, discussion panels, and if you're a book lover, we have a huge book fair for you to take advantage of. But what's so interesting about this year is um, a bit of an extension, and the first ever of its kind in the UAE is the first edition of the Sharjah Animation conference when i got the chance to hear about this and its announcement i got a little bit giddy cuz i'm a huge fan of the animation genre i i always vouch that it is a platform uh, where it's it's all about art it's a real it's a true sense of art some people get the stigma that it's only cartoons but believe me it is not that and here to tell me more about it we welcome one of the world renowned one of the world renowned animators in the industry Frank Falcone. I have the pleasure to introduce him, he's he's a prominent figure in the animation industry for over 25 years. He's not only an animator, but he's a director, he's an executive producer, who has brought to, uh, to life many films and television projects that have captured the hearts of children and families all over the world. Frank is the creative force behind Guru Studios, known for producing character-driven and high-quality animated content, uh, loved by families worldwide, such as Paw Patrol, I'm sure some of you know about that, True and the Rainbow Kingdom, as well as Big Blue. We welcome, we welcome Frank Falcone to the show. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Now, uh, I heard right before we, we, we started this, that this is your first time in Sharjah so my first time in charge my first time in the middle east oh my i need to know your first impressions on this i'm blown away honestly i'm really
1: impressed with the uh, infrastructure and the modernity and the sophistication and
0: just the professionalism of everyone i've dealt with only been here a day it's been incredible and uh, you know I I really would love to you know because the Sharjah Animation Conference is only for three days and it's such a shame we can't have you a bit longer but I'm sure uh, you know being that this is the first edition we're gonna get more of it hopefully next year a more expanded version of it and possibly even bring you back for it but I want to tap into your career into animation and how you even how do you start in that industry well I
1: made the, the brave yet somewhat foolish decision to go to art school and just study fine art at the University of Toronto. And of course, that's something that my father was like, hey, your accounting mark is much better than your fine art mark. Why don't you go into accounting? Of course, my accounting mark was 99%. My art mark was 98. So I wasn't too far off. But I I do have the capacity to run a business and to run numbers, but it's much harder. To get, you know, to get 100% in art, it's impossible. Actually, it's because it's subjective.
0: Speaking of blending creative creativity, uh, art with business, um, Guru Studios has become a household name when it comes to animated content. Um, what is it that you think makes your studio stand out from the competition out there?
1: Well, you know, after I graduated art school, I, I did a year at Sheridan College, the famous animation school, and, and learned about how to apply my artistic training to something more practical. And I, I've always loved cartoons, so when I, when I found my calling there, I, just, I was in love with the fact that I could actually make cartoons for a living. Uh, it was a burgeoning field, computer animation in the 90s, so for me, it was an exciting time to get in early while things were just blossoming. And for me, I, I just love the material. I love the, I love the, the fact that animation reaches everybody, and it, it speaks to everybody, and it speaks to all children. And so when a show like Paw Patrol you know, um, broke out and broke out in every country around the world, it was really rewarding to know that there's very little content out there that, that makes it around the planet, and it and pretty much lands in every country. Uh, if, if I go to a, you know, to a passport uh, officer in a new country, they ask me what I do, I tell them it's children's content, and they say, "What shows?" I say, "Paw Patrol." They usually dance a little dance, <laughs> sing Paw Patrol, and hand me my passport back. And I said, "Did you even look at that?" It's it's that beloved, it's that beloved that it's, and I and I really feel like it's bringing the world together. Those kind of things. You, in 20 years, there's kids that have grown up who will be adults yeah. and talk to anyone in any part of the planet, and. and there's another kid out there who's watched Paw Patrol in another country. I, language.
0: I'm almost jealous because Paw Patrol was a generation after my time. You can still um, watch it. Sure. <laughs> I, I, know, I know I I know. know. for me personally uh, and all of us, we all had children's shows, animated children's shows uh, influence in some way. I'd, I'd say I grew up with things like uh, Tilly you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I, I used to try to guess who was going to be the last one walking into the into the little uh, house. Uh, it's stuff like that that sticks with you for a very long time. But I feel there has been a shift in the industry. Uh, long time ago, maybe early 90s and early 2000s, um, children's shows were very simplistic. And symbolic, but simplistic. But I feel like today's generation, they have, they're tapping into this world of information. Everything's just instant gratification. How do you tackle creating creative stories children who probably don't have the attention span as the previous generation.
1: I think chasing that attention span is a dangerous game because you don't want to worsen it. You want kids to, to think and to really, you know, seep in the in the material. And you want to find an original perspective. I think the high energy shows like Paw Patrol uh, are working on a level where they're aspirational. Kids relate to these little pups that Aren't quite fully formed and haven't figured things out yet, and, but they, they they want to do the best. And I think that's what's that's what kids love about them. They love that they're not perfect. Yeah, they're not. They don't want to be little puppies. They don't want to be dogs. They want to have little puppies that are uh, that, that that they know will grow up. And this show, they they never grow up. So ten years on, those puppies are still the same age. New generations watch it, and and the action you know holds them for quite a quite some time. So the the innocence is sweet. The the characters are funny. Uh, the adults are always goofy, they don't know what they're doing, so kids love that, that's very empowering. And and there's a lot of joy in, in watching uh, them fumble around and, and, and figure things out, Yeah. and I think kids relate to that.
0: Um, I know uh, your experience with children's shows, but I want to now explore the more mature uh, involvement, such as the award-winning film The Breadwinner. Um, the Irish studio that works on these films, I'm a huge fan. Cartoon Saloon. I absolutely love them. Recently, I watched Wolfwalkers from them, and it's a personal favorite of mine. And um, I've never gotten the chance to watch Breadwinner. It's always been on my watch list. But I feel like meeting you here, it's kind of like a sign. I need to sit down and watch this film because I know it touches on a lot of sensitive topics that are necessary for all ages. Can you tell us a little bit about the unique challenges of trying to create something that can be sensitive but also at the same time, portraying it in an innocent and you know respectful manner.
1: Well, I think it's it's a it's a it's a story told from the perspective of a writer who spent a good 11 years in Afghanistan, watching the struggles of families and, and especially of, of girls and uh, and what happens when when their their breadwinner is taken out of the mix, that the poverty that lands on their family. So it's told from a perspective of compassion and, and really it's not political anyway. It's sort of like what do you need to do to survive? Everyone does what they need to do to survive and there's nobility yeah. in that and someone doing what they have to do to survive and so that project was uh was a you know it was it was an easy one for us to get on board uh it was a canadian irish co-production had belgium involved in animation we did about 65 percent of the production on that i really think we got cartoon saloon to look at things a different way sometimes so they were really great partners because they um they pitched a lot of uh the feel and the the heart of of afghanistan and the colors were always very beige and very you know desert oriented and when it came to the story world which which when you watch the film you'll see in the middle of it it was an opportunity for fantasy opportunity to create some color and some light and in stories is is where the inspiration comes from these characters that are struggling in a a climate that isn't welcoming to them so we we added some color and they really appreciated that idea that we brought some color to it so there wasn't a wall-to-wall um, beige film, which yeah. you know wouldn't reach kids as easily. So, adding that color added some hope. And I think the the team at uh, Nora and the team at Curtain Saloon are just wonderful collaborators. And they're so um, they're so they're so open to suggestions and creative um, one-upmanship to make a better film.
0: Exactly you know cartoons like those animations like those uh, they really stand the test of time they become timeless you can watch them generation from now and then you can relate to it. But one thing that I find um, in a new, a new generation of animation that's very quick and it's like almost like fast food and it comes from YouTube. you've 25 years in the industry, maybe even longer seeing how this big surgence of animation that is at times lackluster, it's very, uh, you know, mundane. It's like, you know, like junk food for kids. I, I, wanna, I really wanna ask about that. Like, how, is, how do you feel about this type of, you know, shift? Well, I mean,
1: you, you really can't design shows to be medicine for children because they won't watch it. So anyth- anytime a show has the, uh, the aura of something that's good for you, um, kids might just turn away. So you always have to find the source of fun in a show but it doesn't mean you have to speed things up. It doesn't mean you have to go super cutty and, you know, and you don't have to you don't have to create potential deficit in how you cut a show. And it's about pacing really. At the end of the day, kids want high energy shows. They, they, they do want to be excited. They don't need things to move at a slow pace, but they need it to slow down at moments. And you need to say something important in the show. And even a show like Paw Patrol that has a, you know, a whole commercial, you know, um, side to it and a whole commercial dimension it, there's some good motives there there's some good you know you know um you know doing good for the community uh taking care of others it's at the heart of the show so despite all its you know obvious commercial aspects exploitative to it, nature. It, it it at the end of the day it's got heart and the characters are lovable and they they're noble they want to do good things so that, that's what holds it together and that's why it's been going for 10 years
0: speaking of exploitative nature i know there's now this rise of AI-generated art, and it's gotten some animators, or most animators, just a little bit on the edge about what sort of potential this could be, good, bad, and ugly, and just want to hear your take on that.
1: Well, you're dipping your toes in some dangerous waters (laughs) here, but, you know, AI is here. It's not going away, and I think uh, it's just going to speed up the process of generating material and iterations, and really, art is about iterative... Uh, generation of images i mean nobody draws one drawing and does, and, and that doesn't go to screen it doesn't exactly. it's never an instant process everything's an, an inspiration iterative of, process. of another so really you're just you're sort of you know recasting that drawing that design several different ways until you find the sweet spot sometimes it takes 200 iterations sometimes it takes three um, so i think ai is just another tool on the path to iterating You still need the eye. You still need to know when you hit it, when you're in the right sweet spot. So you still got to be in the zone. The human touch. and, And know that you've got there. So whether you get there faster or slower, it just puts more pressure on us to make decisions um, in in a in, in a in a fog of battery of images coming at you you you, you, you you know you have more time originally to look at things and, and sort of you know stew over them, you know steep the tea for a while. Now you've got to decide a lot faster because the, the that art's coming at you fast and furious from the machines.
0: Yeah. I've I've dabbled with the software called Majorney. yeah, and um, you know I'm not I don't I wouldn't consider myself an artist, but I I do like to try it for a bit and see how I felt. And uh, at times I felt you know, confident I'm like, whoa, okay, this is this has some potential, but it's also scary in the sense where you're you're dabbling with copyright infringement and this is based on other people's work and the industry will have to find a way to work around it if they want to use it properly.
1: I think the danger is that you don't know how heavily it's sourcing some of the material that's ingesting. You yeah. don't really know whether when you're sourcing your own material as a reference you know how to steer clear of what the source material is. But you have that judgment. When we're fed something from AI, it's much more tricky for us to know, well, is this really unique? We have to trust the machine. And so that's the danger, is how do you vet that new art? And how different is it? It's always a process of reinterpreting an influence. I mean, you look at a, a, a model and you draw that model, you're, you're processing your view of that model. You're putting your filter in. Now the computer's putting their filter in how far from the reality that you're observing. Is it taking you, is it taking you really far or just two degrees away? You don't know, that's the danger. You don't know what, what exactly. you're proving. So, but I think working it hard and doing a lot of work and, and drawing on top of it, I think you have to sort of own it to, to, to believe that you've made something. If you let the machine do too much of the work, I think you're running the risk of, of, of unknown plagiarism. Exactly.
0: It's a scary times, but it's also interesting. And uh, we'll have to see how this fares out in a couple of years to come. Uh, but to end it off, I'd love to just get uh, a final, you know, uh, piece of message from, from you um, and advice. For those who are dabbling in animation, you know, in production, you know, uh, what sort of advice could you give?
1: Well, I've seen a lot of very positive and energetic uh, artists here in the day that I've been here. And I can feel the energy in the air and it feels very inspiring. It's like when you go to a school and graduates are excited and not thinking about the future of work. I think um, people in, in the area here in Sharjah, who come to Sharjah, are very excited by the, uh, the possibility of making animation It's new. And that, that innocence and that, you know, um, I've been in the business long enough to, to, uh, to be a little more uh, cynical about, you know, whether a property could ever make it to the market. I think that innocence and that freshness is what everybody needs. So I see opportunities in this region. I see that there's a desire to make new shows, and uh, and uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to seeing what comes out of the out of the region.
0: Frank Fal- uh, Falcone, an absolute expert in the industry. If you want to know more about him, I do uh, recommend you guys to visit GuruStudio.com. You can see all the work there. Perhaps you even want to reach out to them if you're a curious person in animation or in the art. Um, But again, an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Frank, for being here on the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: We're going to wrap it up here, but don't worry, we're going to be right back. We're getting a chance to talk with another world-renowned animator in the industry right here on Pulse 95.